The RTE Running Podcast with Brian O'Connell. Hello and welcome to The Running Podcast with me, Brian O'Connell. Hope you're all well and hope you've had a good week. Great to see a bit of brightness in the mornings and the evenings, isn't it? Uh, we went out for our long run at half past seven on Sunday morning and it was just fantastic that it was bright. I think it makes a big difference and allows us to get in a couple of extra miles maybe in the evening before dinner or after work or whenever you manage to fit them in. Um, had a great response to Katrina McKiernan's interview last week. A lot of people during the podcast, we were chatting about how much faster her second half of London Marathon in 1998 which she won was compared to the first half I had asked her did she know what her splits were and she said she hadn't a clue uh, so I had sent her her data afterwards and she said all right thanks for that and she said look I didn't really know my splits all I knew was that I won <laughs> so it was a kind of a lesson in that for me is to not get too bogged down in the data I suppose it's all about feel, isn't it? It's all about how you feel on the day and how you feel on, on a race. And even I've noticed a bit more in my uh, runs at the moment that I'm not really paying much attention to the watch. And I think it's it's good to try and get to that place where you're just running by feel and you're not too concerned with 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 times and paces and distances and all of that kind of thing. Got eight weeks to go to this marathon in Rotterdam. Eight weeks, yeah. So when you think there'll probably be a two-week taper down where you you won't do as much running in the two weeks before, really have six weeks of hard running ahead. The first 20-mile run was last Sunday. About five of us headed out at half past seven on Sunday morning and kept it to about 7.58 minute pace. So that would hopefully be a little bit slower than, than what the marathon pace might be. And it actually went really well. We were all chatting all the way around. Elaine, who's an ultra runner, part of the group, started telling knock-knock jokes at mile 19. Didn't go down well with me. (laughs) But I could see what she was at. It's at that point where we were just beginning to hurt and the conversation had sort of dried up a little bit. And uh, obviously you're trying to take your mind off the fact, how am I going to get through the last mile here? It was a good icebreaker. So the plan this week, 22 miles on Sunday, 50 miles overall for the week. I've kept it to 50 miles for the last four weeks and was some suggestion I might go up to 60, but I think I'm going to keep it to 50. I just think as you get a little older, I'm in my mid-40s, that maybe having an extra rest day or not taking on mileage, which the body isn't able for, is probably good advice. Going to be talking about that in the second half of today's podcast. I met with an old friend in Clare last week, Keith Butler, who was a very good runner, as I remember, when we were in secondary school and came back to running um, in his just before he turned 40 and has really put in some incredible marathon performances since he's got Tokyo Marathon in two weeks time. We had a chat about challenges of managing a very busy job, which he has family life and then what he's learned about his body what suits his training, how do you run three marathons a year as he's planning to do, and just how he looks for advantage uh, in every facet of his training, be it nutrition, be it taking on supplements, additional sleep and recovery. So that's Keith Butler coming up in the second half of the podcast. Um, Before that, I mentioned last week we would focus a little bit on nutrition this week. 
I'm not too bad with nutrition. Certainly become a lot more conscious of it this marathon training block. Definitely I'm not skipping lunch even if I'm on the road or I'm busy. I'm I'm kind of prioritizing getting getting the food in. Um having a second breakfast most days at around eleven o'clock. Taking on a lot more protein, taking on a lot more carbohydrates. So I thought we'd talk to an expert and that's dietitian Daniel Murphy. He has been putting together programs ahead of this year's Cork City Marathon and really emphasizing the importance of of having a proper eating plan which would suit long distance running. So I thought we would begin this week by talking to Daniel a little bit just around the kinds of carbohydrates you should be taking on, what does a food plan look like for, for, for any kind of training block you might be taking. And then we talked as well about what you should be taking on during a race if you're planning a, a long race. So thanks again for all your comments and all your all your shares and all your likes over the last few weeks. If you have anything in particular you want me to cover, you can drop me a line on Instagram. I am on Twitter at O'Connell Brian or you can get me on email brian.oconnell at rte.ie. So as I said, first up this week, dietitian Daniel Murphy. And I began by asking Dan about how important fueling is and nutrition is and what kind of an advantage you can get in performance if you have a good food plan as part of your training programme. The RTE Running Podcast. It's it's huge. What I see uh, massively, like like athletes tend to be like super underfueled. They're they're not eating enough to support the training that they're doing. You don't even notice that half the time until you are actually fueled. Then and and what it what it kind of results in is these big massive cravings that you get like in the evening or something. And like say you start your training sessions on a Monday come friday you're you're ravenous then eating everything in the house if you're really like like practicing nutritious nutrition strategy around that really practicing um just the the, the carbohydrate intake it, it improves recovery so much and is the the basic rule daniel sort of three hours before a, a session or a long run and then perhaps maybe a half an hour beforehand, you might have something small. Is that kind of, or what advice do you give? Like number one would be just eating enough throughout the day. Then timing would kind of come into it after that then too, because like you could have the most perfect timing ever, but if you're still not eating enough throughout the day, um, then it still won't have an effect. The two to three hour window beforehand, that's where you'd look for a complex carb. What a complex carb is, it's a very slow digesting carb, and that is just say like your porridge, um, your potatoes, rice, pasta. Can you get away with the two hours? Can you get away with three hours? And and then how much can you take to at that point? The hour kind of beforehand, half an hour beforehand, you want more simple carbs, and those would be kind of the during as well carbs. Like you can have those um during the race as well too. But just like your your fruit, your smoothies, um, those would be kind of more beforehand. And then you can supplement with um, like the gels drawing. You can kind of only absorb anywhere from about 30 to 90 grams of carbs like during a, an hour. You'd be looking to, to kind of supplement with, with like the, the one to two gels kind of per hour while having the, the isotonic drinks as well, too, because they're a simple carb. <clears throat> and we might come back to gels in a minute. But for someone who who, who is training then on a weekly basis, you're looking at having a structured diet, obviously. 
especially like like once the kilometers start to rack up um i think that's when it's it's really important and like it's it's also really important to to practice things well in advance of the race like um what i'm noticing now so the, the group that i'm that i'm running with at the moment we're about 9 weeks out from rotterdam and i really noticed this week everybody was trying out their combination of gels, their, you know, powdered water, uh, their Morton drinks, whatever it was, everybody is sussing out combinations, power bar, somebody tried a power bar for the first time. So I suppose that's, this is the time to try things out, isn't it? Yeah, especially like like nine weeks out is is a good time. The The main thing around the, the supplements is just find ones that, that work for you and agree with your stomach and agree with your, your overall performance as well and, and not trying anything new on the day of the race. Because some of them can be hydrogen based, some of them are caffeine based, obviously, so they can have a different impact depending on your constitution, I suppose. Yeah, especially caffeine, like like people um, react differently on, on caffeine. So, But if I'm training at the moment for a race, like how much should I be eating typically on, on a daily basis? Um, like if you're going for for longer runs, you're going to need more. And, and that's the important thing too, to, to note that there's no single calorie number um just that you can kind of follow throughout especially if you're running say like 5k one day and that goes up to 25k the next day like you're going to need more and it's it's very dependent on that i'd see like on average anywhere from two and a half thousand calories all the way up to three four thousand calories um on a daily basis so what does that look like I kind of see anything above 3000 calories is a bit of a challenge when it comes to carbohydrate. We want to get a, a lot of the the nutrition from carbohydrate. Protein gets all the the kind of press most of the time, but um like if we fill up too much on on protein such as your your eggs, your yogurts, um your meat, that can just leave you feeling really full. With the carbohydrate side of things like you could have a big bowl of spinach and that would only be 20 grams of carbs, whereas you could have like, say, like three slices of bread and that that could be anywhere from like about 30 grams of carbs. So do have the good nutrients in there, but like we do need the kind of simple fast acting carbs too that might be a bit sweeter in order to hit the 3000 calories. So I'm getting up in the morning, say seven o'clock, I'm having my bowl of porridge. Maybe I'm throwing in a few nuts with it or whatever. Yep. Then that's seven o'clock, probably around nine, half, nine, ten. I'm going to try and have something else, maybe. Say like the, the porridge, like what you could do with that is honey or maple syrup even as well, too. Um, Like granola is a good one to start off with, too. It can be higher in calories. Smoothies and, and cereal is generally what I, I advise um fairly heavily because like with smoothies, like our body when we're drinking calories doesn't actually fill up as much as if we're eating calories and you can like you can pack six to eight hundred calories easily into a smoothie what are you putting into the smoothie needing like mixed berries um like bananas you can put like a small bit of yogurt into that the peanut butter or the maple syrup and honey then like even for for lunch like you'd be having that um and I generally recommend again, like either like rice or pastas for for lunch and dinner, and easily kind of in the evening. Then like like even something like cocoa pops, rice krispies, things like that. They're they're easy to consume kind of late at night, and they don't leave you feeling bloated as well. And that's the main thing. Okay, good advice. What about after a run or a workout? Um, I've started. I noticed. Um, I think it was Aldi have these protein pouches, like they're like yogurts. Uh, and they have protein desserts as well. So I just tended now to grab one of those maybe 20 minutes after the run. 
is that the kind of advice is to take protein within a half an hour an hour if you can so there is like there's no magical window when it comes to protein um after it like what i advise is is generally try to get it in like at least kind of two hours after because if you're aiming for a calorie target too like we don't want that clashing with the next meal so getting it in like as as quickly um and as comfortably as possible is the main thing like you could have chicken and pasta um that could be a good recovery meal as well too on the gels and the drinks, like they have changed hugely, haven't they? You're getting a lot more carbohydrates into a gel now, probably given the way they've they've evolved. It's it's about twenty to about twenty five grams of carbs, whereas like the the five hundred mil of say like Lucasaid is about like thirty one point five grams of carbs, I think it is. So you can see like like even with the gels, like they're tiny. So getting twenty two grams of carbs into one of those is is brilliant. Like it's it's just with the gels, some people just don't react well with them. So definitely they're ones to experiment with. Um, a good bit away from the race. I always kind of start with um just the the competitive mindset around it like that a lot of people um like can be either all in or like all out in terms of nutrition um like if you really are taking the the race like seriously and you're training seriously then I always say look at the the competition like they could have 30 grams of carbs left in the tank and that could mean that they finish a minute faster than you in the race if you're if you're super competitive about it and taking it seriously then do take the nutrition seriously as well too the rte running podcast so that was daniel murphy who owns apex nutrition and as i said i came across him because he had been uh, talking online about fueling techniques ahead of the Cork City Marathon, which is on Sunday the 4th of June. Registration is open, I think. CorkCityMarathon.ie, and they have a webinar, actually, from uh, Daniel as well on the website. Finally, this week, I met with an old friend in Ennis last week, Keith Butler, who runs with the Clare Crusaders group. I talked to Keith about getting back into running when he was aged 39 I began to be asking him how did all that come about I decided to do a marathon after my brother-in-law tapped me on the shoulder he'd done a few Dublin marathons for charity here with the local Clare Crusaders you're around the time you were turning 40 you did your first marathon and tell me about the stress fractures then or about I suppose the injuries you picked up early on uh, yeah, well, like I had this ambition to run a marathon before I was 40. It was just one of these life goals. And I made two reasonable attempts to to do exactly that. And both times within a couple of months of, of getting back training, I got stress fractures. And I, th- I think what it was, was I did too much too quick. Didn't give the muscles a chance to catch up with the bones. Uh, yeah, and ended up in a, in a, in a boot um, and back to square one. So yeah, not, not, the, not the best kind of start but you've gone from so that was 2018 you did your first marathon in three and a half hours a really good time for your first marathon and now you've got tokyo in a couple of weeks time and you're aiming for what uh, 245 ish yeah in that space it's amazing improvement in in a very short space of time really yeah and no, I've, I've you know i've been very lucky i guess in the sense that um you know covid came along i was able to do some decent training uh, actually ended up in, in COVID getting a, another stress fracture. Um, uh, but once that happened, uh, I, I kind of decided I needed to put a bit of structure in it. I got a coach, an online coach. That That's really helped me both in terms of times, but also keeping away from injuries. So you're coached by Staza, who'd be a well-known Olympic coach. 
Yeah, he he coached uh, Aoife Cook. Yeah, a couple of couple of buddies here in Clare uh, were were using him online, and that's how I got to connect with him. Was was through Strava, seeing a bit of the work he was doing. How many marathons are you in now? Uh, I'm I'm due to run three three marathons this year, and I've done about um, maybe eight uh, over the last kind of number of years. Yeah. So, how do you manage family life, work life, and running eight marathons in five years? Um. Uh, reasonably straight I, I'd, I'd always be very organized and structured anyways so I'm quite good at planning my my days or my weeks and I, li- I like to start with a, a goal in mind or the end in mind so work back from that um, and to be honest the way it works is I do two sessions a week on a Wednesday and, and a Sunday and the Sunday kind of takes care of itself as long as I get it out early enough and I, I'm flexible enough in work that I can kind of work around my, my Wednesday session the rest of it is just easy running that I can do you know it's an hour uh, whenever you can kind of squeeze it in so yeah Lucky enough on that front, the the number of marathons is kind of driven. I was out in Berlin, um, you know, when I started after I did Dublin, the, my first Dublin marathon. Uh, some of the guys said, "Listen, you should try doing international marathon because you know that's great crack." But you know, you'll be waiting for years, so you may as well apply for all these lotteries, and eventually you'll get into one. Literally, I applied to Berlin, and I got in straight away, and I had to do it. But I'm out in Berlin getting up my gear bag and, and all that kind of stuff. And I see this kind of wall of fame, this kind of world marathon majors wall of fame. And there's Uh-oh. this kind of all, all the all these countries and names represented. And I spot, um, you know, Ireland, and there's about 100 names on this wall. And I did not, and about at a time, but but basically it's it's the marathon majors. It's a bit like the, the four majors in golf. You've got these six world marathon majors. I remember thinking to myself, Jesus, that 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 would be a nice thing to do to get kind of six um, of those majors done. You get a special medal at the end. You get your name put in this wall. Um, so I kind of made the decision there and then uh, in my second marathon out in Berlin that I was going to try get these uh, these six majors done. So that's probably why I've been kind of banging them up pretty quickly since. So where are you at with that? Tokyo's in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, so four done. I, I've got Berlin done, London, Boston, and I have Chicago done. Uh, Tokyo's in, in, in two weeks' time. And then I'm going hope, hopefully we'll finish them off in New York in uh, November. We had a chat last week when I was down in Ennis. And you were telling me about your approach to training, which was interesting to me. So you, some people would run six days a week. Some people I know are running seven days a week. You run five. Even though I have... I have tried to get my coach to let me run six days a week. Um, I, I run five days a week, three, three easy-ish kind of sessions, an hour kind of easy pace running, then then two two sessions um, whereby now they're long enough sessions. One's a, a kind of a long run that typically can be at marathon pace, and, and the other one then during the week, in the middle of the week, is is more a tempo type thing where you're running faster than marathon pace. Uh, so I'd have, I'd have decent mileage, maybe 60 miles a week, but, but it's within those five kind of runs. And that's nice because i get a, a day off after each of my heavy sessions you know so i have two days uh, kind of off then during the week i do a little bit of little bit of strength and conditioning N- nothing major maybe a half an hour to be honest because i i don't have great patience for it <laughs> what are the things that you would avoid now if you were starting again like what are the mistakes you made when you started out that you obviously taken on too much too quick was one of them it's probably a key one brian um like as in you you you, you know you, you do a session and then literally two days later, you do another session or you spot somebody doing a session on Strava and you say, geez, I might, I might try that. That looks good. So definitely doing too much too quickly. I think the recovery side is extremely important. I, I get good sleep. Um, you know, I used to spend a lot of time on the road with work uh, before COVID. 
Uh, whereas now I get better sleep, better quality sleep. I'm not, I'm not kind of sitting in a car for four or five hours a day. So I, I think, that, uh, you know, the, the whole recovery slash sleep slash diet is probably underestimated, underestimated by most people. And I think you can get serious gains in terms of performance uh, around that area. And, and a lot of people just try and burn the candles at all ends, you know. Like, don't be expecting miracles within three months putting the runners on. You know, awesome. like it, you have to take a much, <laughs> you have to take a much longer term kind of view on this thing. You know, it, it can take two or three years for you to find your level with those adaptions. You know, it's very addictive, isn't it? Oh yeah, you're. I'm all in. I'm all, all in. So yeah, I was, I was saying to you like between the the vitamins and the 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 recovery and how many vitamins um, a day did you say you're taking? Go on. Yeah, I, I told you. I'm like yeah, yeah like I, I I don't know if I said to you, but like I qualified for the the old man world championships out in Chicago later on this year. I have these like little vitamin pouches where you know at the start of the week I put in all my little bits and pieces. There's about ten different things in there, and I have one that choose the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday kind of set out. <laughs> What has the running given you like in terms of your life? Because I find for me, it's become an essential switch off. And I think socially as well, I don't know if you found this, but I find as you get into your 40s, like, I, you know, I'm not, well, for me anyway, I'm not in a pub at the weekend. So to meet people socially, running has been huge for me. Oh, yeah, we, we, we're very fortunate here in Clare. We have this this amazing community of runners called the Clare Crusaders. 60, 60 odd people kind of towed the start line in the Dublin Marathon back in, in October. There's a, there's a real kind of, you know, friendly kind of atmosphere uh, kind of built around that. So like, I look forward to my, my Saturday run. It's the only time during the week or during the, the whole week that I, I get to run with kind of other people. So it's a nice kind of easy, sociable run. Uh, what running is what, what running does for me, Brian, is it, it grounds me. My, when my son was younger, he, he was full of energy. You nearly have to take them out and bring them for a walk to calm them down, and then they'll kind of relax for the evening. And I kind of find if I don't get my run in, I'm antsy. I'm kind of I'm 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 not relaxed. I'm not grounded in myself. So that's kind of what it does for me. It just it just kind of um, it takes me away from work. It takes me away from everything because. You know, when you're out there pounding the roads, it's one foot in front of the other. It's kind of getting your breath and, and nothing else really matters. So, you know, it's my yoga for want of a better word. Yeah. And there's an important health element as as, as you and I are in our, our 40s, shall we say. Um, <laughs> it, it is really important, isn't it, to be doing something? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, you could say late 40s, to be brutally honest. <laughs> about. I would have more energy now that I run regularly than I had before I did no exercise. And, and you'd almost think intuitively that it would be the opposite because you're out there exercising. You'd be, you'd, you'd have less energy than for other things. I'm the complete opposite. I have way more energy now five years after I took up running than beforehand. Um, and I, I think that's, you know, that reflects on everything from family to, to lifestyle to work. Uh, you have more energy to put into other things than. Yeah, my, my, my advice is like, you know, everybody, you know, if everybody's running 5K, like it, it doesn't matter whether it takes you, you know, 20 minutes or 40 minutes or two hours, it's still the same distance um, and, 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 and build it up gradually. You know, it's just, it's it, your body will get used to most things you put it through as long as you give it time to adapt. Excellent. Great stuff. Thanks, Melky. The RTE Running Podcast. So that's about it for this week. Thank you all for listening. Next week, I have an interview with an Irish man in the Middle East who is training elite level athletes. And he gives a very interesting take on what they're doing in the Middle East that perhaps we could be doing here in Ireland, what's working for, for them over there, the kind of resources they're putting into athletics. So that's coming up next week.
Best of luck to you all. Hope you have a good week's running. Mind yourself on the roads if you're getting out. The RTE Running Podcast with Brian O'Connell.